Hey guys, let's uh let's get started. I I know there's going to be other people trickling in. They're still on break, but um we'll go ahead and do do our official introduction and get started here. I got double booked this morning. Um so I'm going to have to actually go to the I'm teaching in the missions prep uh breakout session. So I'm going to introduce Dave and then slip out, which I, I hate to do, but I can't be two places at once. Um, so I, I want to introduce Pastor Missionary Dave Nebel. As I was thinking through this this breakout session on finishing strong, um, the living legend, discipler of, of you know, discipleship pastors. Dave Hill, you know, is a guy we want to hear from. And as I'm thinking through, I'm just thinking through, you know, over the years, we all have jumping off points. Where according to the world, according to our flesh, according to what's reasonable, uh, you know, maybe not spiritually, but carnally, we all have these jumping off points where nobody would blame you for just quitting. It's perfectly reasonable that Terry and Anita would just shut things down and go home and go to the beach, given what happened or whatever. We all have the, it's the illness, it's the mistreatment, it's, it's the, you know, whether it's real or perceived, what, I don't know, but we all have jumping off points and you guys know what I'm talking about because you're not kids, you've been through things like that. And I'm just thinking through people who have had jumping off points. And they're just still plugging away. Um, we're in the fourth quarter. It's the, you don't quit in the fourth quarter, but the fourth quarter is the time in which you feel the most like quitting when bad things happen. You know, the Chiefs are down in the Super Bowl by 20 points, and they're like, I oh, don't know, we're going to come back and win it. Not, not last time, but the time before. Okay, so it's the fourth quarter. And I just, you know, Dave Nebel. You've had some jumping off points. You've had some points where you just could have quit. Just take your ball and go home. And, and, you know, Dave didn't quit. And so I asked Dave if he'd be willing to come and, and teach to us on, on this Finishing Strong series. And, and he agreed to do that. So thank you for that, Dave. We look forward to hearing from you. So come on up and, and open the book and, and, uh, and teach. So thank you, Dave. Fourth quarter. That's more like two minute warning. <laughs> well, what I'm about to go through was Chris's idea. He uh, reached out to me a couple weeks ago with this subject matter. So if it works out, great. Praise the Lord. If it flops, I'm blaming him. So um, I think everybody in here, we all know each other, or at least are acquainted with each other. Um, my wife can't be with us this morning. We just got over a COVID Christmas, so she's, uh, I mean, we're all, we're all past it, but she's still, you know, dealing with a little bit of a cough and, of course, the weather being what it is. Um, but uh, let's, let's jump into this. Um, 
Chris, Chris portrayed this. In fact, I'm going to read exactly what Chris wrote me when he sent me an email two or three weeks ago. By the way, I responded saying, I think you meant to send it to somebody else um, who you wanted to teach, not me. But he's, he is uh, pointed out the subject of Romans 12.1. Spiritual reality and motive. Why consider going, mentoring, or giving? Sounds like sacrificial, hard, and dangerous work. Mercy is our motivation. Seeing the world in light of spirituality, see God's heart for the lost and hurting, we find a way to be a part of God's plan. So it's kind of like, okay, so somebody else studies something out, they come up with an idea, and then they give it to you, and you're looking at it going, Man, I don't even, what, do, what, what are you even talking about? And as I, as I, as I looked at this, Okay, we all know Romans 12.1. I beseech you, therefore, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable God, which is your reasonable service. But that phrase that Chris wanted to kind of focus on, by the mercies of God, I mean, I don't know how I've, you know, I've been saved since I was seven years old. So, you know, I've, I've probably read that verse in the last 30, 40, 50, 60 years, a lot of times. And never once have I, have I thought by the mercies of God and it's mercies, plural, it's not the mercy of God, it's by the mercies of God. What does that mean? Because we're being uh, beseeched, we're being exhorted, desired, prayed, called, entreated to present our bodies, our physical beings, as a sacrifice, a simply reasonable service. But this request is predicated upon the mercies of God. So let's kind of work backwards through this and kind of deconstruct it through the Bible and see if we can come to some conclusions. Okay, so I beseech you, therefore, so the, the word therefore makes us ask the question, why is this therefore? And if we look at uh, the three preceding chapters, in fact, if we look at Romans as a whole, Romans 6, 7, and 8 talks about our battle between our flesh and our spirit. And then Paul kind of shifts gears in, uh, in Romans 9 to Israel. His heart's desire is that Israel, in fact, if you look at Romans 9, 1, and I'll read it. I wish that myself were a curse. This is verse three from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the givings of the law and the service of God and the promises. Whose are the fathers of whom uh, as concerning the flesh, Christ came who is over all 
God blessed forever. Amen. So Paul spends Romans 9, Romans 10, and Romans 11 talking about his people, Israel. Now, our, uh, our story, um, and as far as my wife and I, we, we got married in 84, and uh, God started working on our, our hearts and lives in 1988. At Fall Bible Conference, we, uh, we walked the aisle and kneeled at the altar and surrendered our lives to missions, to doing whatever, wherever, whenever. And uh, God had already taken us to the country of Yugoslavia. We were in and out of there a couple of times in 88 and 89. In 90, the Civil War started. And um, so we, uh, uh, man, we were there visiting refugees. And uh, I was during, in shepherd school during the same time. And in 93, I graduated shepherd school and the leadership asked me to to uh, take over the pastorate of a newly formed Russian Sunday school class. So it's interesting how God gives you a burden for people. And God gave, gave us a burden for Slavic people. And that's interesting because uh, I know that, uh, for example, Andrew Ong, God's taken them to, uh, to Vietnam and God's given him a, a burden for Asian people. Um, I don't share that burden. Um, that doesn't mean I don't value them. Uh, I mean, I've traveled all over Latin America. I've been to Bogota. I've been to El Salvador. Um, I even took a single-engine plane into the jungles of uh, Belize with some uh, Mayan and catchy churches and visited them. Great people. I don't really have a burden for them. Uh, but if if there was a uh, if there was a Slavic person here in this room. This morning, man, my antenna is up. And God gives each of us as, as, as people, as missionaries, a certain heart for, for people. Paul was the, uh, was the apostle to the Gentiles. But Paul had a burden for Israel. He was a Jew. And he, man, he, I mean, he's saying, I, I would be accursed for these people. That's how strongly I want, I, ha, I, 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 I have a burden for them that they would, that they would uh, know Christ and know the, the, the love of God. So in this context of, of, of what Paul's talking about, he quotes a conversation with, uh, God has with Moses in, um, in uh in exodus in fact it's exodus chapter 33 and and what he says is is uh well i'll read uh i'll read verse 15 for he saith to moses i will have mercy on whom i will have mercy i will have compassion on whom i will have compassion so then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. For even the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, even for the same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Therefore uh, hath he mercy on whom he will have, have mercy, and whom he will he hardeneth. 
So you see from, from Israel's beginning, God dealt with them, not, not on their merit, but on, on the basis of his mercy. And, uh, and so this is, uh, this is what Paul is, uh, is, is talking about. And, and, it, and when we, we get to chapter 10, which is a great passage on not only Israel, but us, in verse 3, he says, For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness, going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. And that was based upon mercy. And then we have the famous passage, which is applied to Israel and Gentiles. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, in Romans 10, 9 through 13, and shalt believe in thine heart, God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made of salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed, for there is no difference between Jew and Greek. The same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's mercy. That's his mercy to us. It's not based upon our merit. It's based, it's based simply upon our obedience to what God has already provided. So let's think back. Where did God meet with Israel in the Old Testament? Where was his mercy dispensed? It was in the tabernacle and later the temple in the Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant was, and God would dwell above the mercy seat, and that's where he would commune with man. Exodus 25 is the full mentioned passage of this uh, mercy seat. And the building of the tabernacle or this movable temple required an offering. In fact, Exodus uh, 25.2 begins, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they bring me an offering of every man that giveth it willingly with his heart, he shall take my offering. <clears throat> and then as we see the building of the tabernacle, you get down to verse 22, and this is what it says. And there I will meet with thee, and I will commune with thee from above the mercy seat, and from between the two cherubims, which are upon the ark of the testimony, of all things which I give thee in commandment unto the children of Israel. That mercy seat is where the blood was offered for atonement <clears throat> once a year by the high priest. And that's where God met and were, were, uh, with man and where man was justified. So this is the picture of mercy. Our relationship with God is based on his mercy and God's desire to interact with us. Now, if you really want to get a, a picture of mercy, man, the book of Psalms 
the book of Psalms, uh, mercy appears a hundred times. In fact, I was just in my reading this morning and uh, the book the, in Psalms and uh, a couple of verses talked about mercy, mercy. In fact, uh, there's a, uh, there's a, a, a chapter or a Psalms uh, chapter 136. It has 26 verses in it. And every verse ends with the Hebrew phrase, chesed olam. He says a phrase, chesed olam. His mercy endureth forever. His mercy endureth forever. Here's a phrase, his mercy endureth forever. Here's a phrase, his mercy endureth forever. So this mercy is, it wasn't just something that, that God said, okay, this is just a one time. It, it goes on and on and on for eternity. So we, we see this in the Old Testament. Now let's, let's get back to a man named Saul in Palestine, a Benjamite, a Pharisee taught by the renowned Rabbi Gamaliel. Saul himself was probably, I imagine in, in the Benjamite tribe that uh, there were a lot of young men named Saul because of the most famous Benjamite to ever live, King Saul in the Old Testament. So Saul was a very popular name probably for Benjamite uh, boys. Israel's first king. A Hebrew of Hebrews is what he called himself. Blameless, touching the righteousness which is in the law. And, and he no doubt had a very typically egotistical uh, Jewish view of God's mercy. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. My first, uh, my first Russian tutor in the 90s uh, over here on state line was a, a Jewish lady. And uh, wow, you could, she definitely projected um, her, um, her bias, her prejudice. She was Jewish. I wasn't. In fact, I remember when, uh, when we were with the group in Israel, we visited the West Bank and uh, a West Bank settlement. And um, uh, a lady one of the, that was kind of in charge of that, I think it was a school we were at, sat us all down. And uh, she basically told us, this is only for Jewish people but we thank you for caring about us. And it was in a very condescending uh, type of, of uh, vocabulary. And I think, man, here's Saul. He's, he's the top, he's a top Jew, man. He's a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He was taught by the top rabbi. He had the letter of the law down. Yeah. God's mercy. It's for us. No one else. We're the only ones that get it. And uh, I think that as, as Saul, in his uh, zeal, on the road to Damascus, you know what he's doing? He's walking with his shoulders back and his head up, and he's, he's going to take care of business, which he'd already been doing. Very prideful. 
And then things changed. He met Jesus. And he went from walking tall with a stride to being led by the hand. He couldn't see. And as he sat in the house of Judas in Damascus on a street named Straight, an obedient man named Ananias came and laid hands on him. And it says he received his sight. Now, the scripture doesn't say, but I'm thinking the blindness of his heart lost its scales, too. Right away, Paul or Saul preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. Now, I think in Paul's mind, all of this history and all of the teaching of the law and all of his prejudice and bias that he thought about mercy for him, when he met Jesus, he realized what mercy really was. Yeah. He, never, he never really understood. He also realized that if anybody, if anybody deserved judgment and punishment for what he had done, it was him. Because he'd been killing people that were now that were following the Lord that he knew was the true God now. What he thought was true gave way to truth itself. From a conceptual thought to a personally applied truth, God's mercy became real to him. Yet, yet, God didn't punish him, showed him mercy. And that mercy was for the sake of the lot, of the lost. So as Paul's in uh, uh, Damascus, uh, things didn't go too well for him. So he had to escape. They let him down in a basket. And uh, he escapes to Jerusalem where he hooks up with Barney. And then in Jerusalem, the Grecians wanted to slay him, so he goes north to Caesarea. And from there, he ends up in his uh, hometown in Tarsus. And we don't really hear about uh, uh, Saul uh, for a couple of years. Um, he says in Galatians that he was in Arabia and Damascus. Uh, he went to Jerusalem after three years and hung out with Peter for 15 days. But in, uh, in Acts 11, in... 41 AD. So this is, this is eight years after, after the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ and uh, the church in, in Jerusalem getting going. And now, now you've got a group of, of uh, Christians, men of Cyprus and uh, Cyrene, Libya, that end up in Antioch looking for Greeks preaching Christ. And in Acts 11, there was a church planted, and, and Jerusalem sends Barnabas to Antioch to be the pastor. Well, Barney gets to Antioch and sees what's going on, and Antioch in uh, uh, northern Syria is just kind of up around the, the northeastern corner of the Mediterranean Sea from Tarsus. So he travels over to Tarsus and gets 
Saul and brings him back with him. And so they, they pastored the church for a year. Uh, they take an offering back to Jerusalem and return to Antioch. And now it's, it's uh, 45 AD. And the church in Antioch is maturing and has leaders who are preaching and teaching. Paul and Barnabas in Acts 13 are separated and sent out as missionaries and take John Mark with them. <coughs> now think about this, because I, I, I'm a visual person, mentally. Uh, my teachers called it daydreaming when I was in school, but I was, uh, I'm, a, I'm a visual person. So, I, you know, I think, okay, you've got this first church in Antioch where, where, people, where the believers are first called Christians. And then they've got two pastors, Paul and Barnabas. So then uh, the church and the Holy Spirit together say, separate me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work. And so they send them off. So I think Paul and Barnabas are walking towards Seleucia where they get on a boat and go to Cyprus and end up going to Asia Minor. But I think as Paul and Barnabas are walking, What are we doing? I mean, it wasn't like they'd read missionary books. It wasn't like they had, you know, uh, some other pattern to follow. They just decided to obey God. And Paul's life always seemed to be in peril. But he was okay with that. The word mercy doesn't even appear in the book of Acts. But we see Paul's heart in the chapter and the verses preceding our text concerning mercy applied to the salvation of Israel corporately and how the church age has given us the same mercy toward salvation. So in the very end of chapter 11, we see this. I'm going to read verses 30 through 36. For as ye in times past have not believed God, yet have now obtained mercy through their unbelief. Even so have these also now not believed that through your mercy they might obtain mercy. For God had, hath uh, concluded them all in unbelief that he might have mercy upon all. Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Or who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counselor, or who hath given him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again. For of him and through him and to him are all things to, him, to whom be glory forever. Amen. So as Paul finishes his, his uh, dissertation here about Israel, He's saying, you're not going to figure it out. It's, it's mercy. It's mercy to Israel. It's mercy to Gentiles. It's no, there's, no, there's no way that, that we can quite understand what is going on as far as, as what God's plan is, dispensing his mercy for our salvation. 
Now, Paul is writing the book of Romans on his third missionary trip. So this is his last trip. And if you know the book of Acts, at the end of his third trip, he, he ends up going back to Jerusalem and everybody warns him against it. And, and he ends up in Rome because of it and all the, the, the details we won't discuss. But Paul is probably in, uh, in Greece, probably in uh, Corinth or Philippi, and he's writing this letter to, to Christians in Rome. In fact, in chapter 1, verse 7, to all that be in Rome, this is the, who he's writing this letter uh, to, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. The believers in Rome, Jew and Gentile, had faith. They understood this mercy that God had given them. In Ephesians chapter 2, for God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith, wherewith he loved us. This is the verse prior to one of our most popular verses. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. Through for, uh, by grace are you saved. <clears throat> and hath risen us up together and made us to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Jesus Christ. For by uh, grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in, in him. That entire thread was predicated upon God, who is rich in mercy. It's not something we earn. Uh, Paul's testimony. Paul's testimony in, uh, in 1 Timothy. Uh, says he, he obtained mercy. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who hath enabled me for that. He counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was a, before a blasphemer, persecutor, and injurious. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. In Titus chapter 3, but after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior, toward men appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Hebrews, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace and help in the time of need. First Peter, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us 
unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So now we arrive at Romans 12, verse 1. And here's my conclusion. I think that Romans 1, our conclusion that Paul came to in his own mind. And I'm going to say that Paul, Paul realized of what I'm going to call the reciprocity of mercy. God's mercy through the death of Christ, the, the offering through God's desire to have a fellowship uh, with a turd like me. Mercy. And it costs God. And so Paul's, Paul's conclusion in his own mind and what governed his own existence was this reciprocity, meaning God's mercy to us re required death a blood offering sprinkled on the mercy seat, not of an animal, but of, of the very God himself in the person of Jesus Christ. So by this, therefore, we are beseeched to return the favor, so to speak. Solely based on the mercies of God to die, to die. few years back at a uh, pastor's luncheon, a man spoke, and uh, this man's name was Mark Trotter, and uh, he kind of set everybody up because he asked everybody, how many of you believe that since Christ died for me, I should live for him. That sounds like, a... he says, that's not what the Bible says. <laughs> what? what are you talking about, dude? You're supposed to live for God? No. God does not require us to live for him. He requires us to die. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, I die daily. He said in Galatians, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When Paul gave his testimony, Paul's on his third missionary trip and he stops in uh, <coughs> Miletus, and the, the leaders from Ephesus come and meet with him. This is what he says to them. I am crucified, or I'm sorry, and, and when they were come to him, he said unto him, Ye know, from the first day that I came in Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind, with many tears and temptations which befell me by the line of weight of the Jews. And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but I've showed you and I've taught you publicly from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and to the Greeks 
repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things which shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself. So that, here's the paradox, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. I made a little uh, summary of Paul's life. I hope you find it an encouragement to you. Troubled on every side, yet not distressed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. So then death worketh in us. Our flesh had no rest. We were troubled on every side. Without were fightings, within were fears, in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons uh, more frequent, in deaths off. Of the Jews, five times received by forty stripes, save one. Thrice I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I had been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils often, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea. In perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, the care of, our, of all the churches. For our light affliction, which is just but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. I think that right there is what they ought to teach in missions prep class, uh, because, you know, it's it's like, okay, when when Saul was converted on the road to Damascus, I, I I honestly believe he had a death wish. He didn't care anymore. I mean, what you know, the the question uh, often asked, what does it take to make you quit? Well, Paul and Barnabas' first trip to Lystra, they stoned him. They took him outside the, the city, and, and they, they left him for dead. I'm pretty sure the first time a rock hit me upside the head, I'd be thinking, eh, it's time to head back to Tarsus and just live out my days making some tents. I'd be okay with that. But Paul understood the mercies of God. The mercies of God are what motivated Paul. And you know what he called? He's basically saying in Romans 12, 1, do you know what your reasonable service is? Death. Death. 
it's not some glorious let's stand up and 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 uh and and applaud for your ministry or or you know and and paul by the things that that he did here's here's what i what i believe it's a theory i was sharing it with somebody earlier I don't think Paul in his life saw himself as a great success. I really don't. I think we look back into Paul's life and see, see man, the great, he was the greatest Christian, the greatest missionary, the greatest evangelist to ever live. But I think at any point in Paul's life, you could have stopped him and said, Paul, how's it going? I think Paul would have hung his head and said, I don't know what I'm doing. I, you know, I, I, I preach in the synagogue and, and a few, few Jews and a few Greeks believe. And, and then God calls me to, to go to another place. And, you know, I, I, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just trying to be obedient. I'm trying to keep the faith. And you know what? That's all God wants of any of us. That's all God wants is just to let go and to allow God to do the work in us. Paul could have claimed so much of what God did through him in his flesh, and he never did. He never claimed any of it. He said, for me uh, to live is Christ and to die is gain. So this, it's kind of interesting because the conclusion that I came to in this uh, class context, finishing strong, finishing strong, finishing strong is to die, to die to yourself. God can't use us. If we're living to ourselves, in fact, Mark went on to to uh, in his uh, uh, message to talk about you know we try to live for God in our own flesh, in our own power, and we fail because we can't do it. We can't do it, and it's frustrating, and it's aggravating, and it's it's toil. And uh, it, we, we, we become these, you know, this martyr syndrome. Oh, my, I'm just suffering. And God's going, you don't have to. Just die to yourself and let me live through you. Give it up to me. I got it. I got this. He's like the lawyer on TV. God says, I got this. If you look back in, in Romans chapter 10, two, two chapters before this, there's some questions posed. How then shall they call on whom they have not believed? How, they shall, uh, how shall they believe in him on, of whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? 
And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Psalm 33, verses 18 through 22. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy. To deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waiteth for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart shall rejoice in him because we have trusted in his holy name. Let thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us according as we hope in thee. I beseech you, therefore, therefore, by the mercies of God, the, I mean, this bulk of God provision that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. to die it's holy only through what christ did for us it's acceptable unto god only by living through what god wants us to do <coughs> and it's just reasonable it's just reasonable uh, i could give personal testimony we took uh we took five kids to, uh, to Belarus in 2001. We were there for a um, three-month short-term mission. Um, it was crazy. I don't, you know, I, um, I used to give a testimony in church saying that we were just idiots who trusted God. And my wife said to me once, you need to stop saying that. I said, why? She said, you were the idiot. We just went with you. But uh, we, uh, all, we took all five of our kids. We were actually, uh, a week after we were there, 9-11 occurred. And uh, that was a little crazy. Um, but we were there planting seeds and watering and uh it was uh you know it's it cost us 20 grand to go there our plane tickets for seven of us was 9800 bucks and then i had to make four months house payments while we were gone and then we had to rent a house while we were there and we had to eat we had to live and uh Fortunately, I had, uh, I had saved up, um, oh yeah, this much. You know, God provided every penny in his mercy for us to go. And, uh, while we were there, God called us to, to, uh, to go there as missionaries. 
I mean, I, I never understood what a call was like until God put his call on our, our, our hearts and our lives. In fact, I was upstairs and just in the word and God in his mercy just made it clear, this is where I want you. And I came downstairs in the house we were renting and Anita was in the kitchen and I said, Hey, you know what? She said, yeah. And all of our kids were, were in on it. And we, we came back, sold all left all and, uh, went to Belarus as missionaries. Went, we were in language school two years, four hours a day, four days a week, which was man. With your four kids they're 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 snapping it right up and but uh god's mercy um it's a unique experience living 100 percent by faith i'm not working i'm not earning a paycheck Whatever money comes into our account every month is up to God. I, I wouldn't say it was up to people or churches. It was up to God. Some, some months were good and some months were not so good. But we were fine. And, uh, man, God gave us souls. God gave us fruit. Um, it, was, uh, it was an experience of God's mercy on us in our lives and uh from there we went to uh to ukraine we actually lived in in Simferopol, which is right in the middle of crimea which has since been annexed by, by russia it's no longer ukraine kind of crazy and then uh 2008 we were back and uh god's mercy is still good God's mercy is still good. Uh, I think we spend way too much time trying to uh, understand our lives or to figure out our lives. And, and it's just uh, like Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, by the mercies of God, just die to yourselves, die to your ambitions. We, we're so intimidated by that because of our pride. We think, you know, well, yeah, I'll serve God, but I, I kind of want to hang on to a little bit of control. And God said, no, I, I need it all. I need it all. And it, it, you know, God's so good. It doesn't mean, uh, you know, we, we, uh, we hear the, the voice of Satan in our ear talking in our voice. Telling us, oh, you know what to do. You know, let's let's think this through now. You know, God's going to send you someplace you hate. The people you don't want to be around, you're going to suffer. Your kids are going to. None of that's true. None of that's true. God's mercy is enough that we could never repay it. We could. I mean, it's reasonable. It's just reasonable. One of the crazy stories in the Bible is Abraham and Isaac. Abraham didn't wrestle Isaac onto the altar. Isaac willingly laid himself down. 
Man, what a picture of, of Romans 12.1. That we just give it unto God, our, our, our lives, our living sacrifice for the sake of eternity. For the sake of maybe not somebody in a foreign land, maybe, maybe for the sake of your neighbors or family members or just somebody God wants to use you to reach and they're watching you to see if this is real to you. And so let's make it real. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your love for us. Lord, thank you for your mercy to us. Lord, help us. Help us, Lord, just to let go and to die to ourselves, Lord, not, not just in, not just in some conceptual sense, Lord, not just in some lip service, Lord, Help us just to give everything that we are to you and to hold nothing back for ourselves, Lord. And Lord, we know that's just reasonable, Lord, but I pray that you would just take each person here's life, Lord, and bless it. Bless it through your mercy, Lord. Reveal yourself to them in a, in a real and personal way. Show, show them that they can trust you with everything and bless us because of it, Lord. Give us fruit, Lord. Give us souls. Lord, we know the time is short, Lord, and, and use each of us for the glory, uh, of, for, for your glory and for the sake of eternity. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.